Hey, Clark. What's up, Tim? What do you think will have a bigger impact on our health uh, after our couple days here in Las Vegas? Spending that whole day outside of the desert at the former nuclear test site or those embarrassing five minutes at the craps table? Tim, I think you're being super critical. Welcome to another episode of the Super Critical Podcast, where we delve into the fun and oftentimes nonsensical way pop culture portrays nuclear weapons. My name is Tim Westmeyer, someone who studies nuclear weapons and works on nuclear security for a living. And I am honored to be joined today in Las Vegas by my friend, former college roommate, and more importantly, former college debate partner, Clark. Clark, how are you doing today? I'm good, Tim. I am a, a farmer, a father, and... I have no experience with nuclear weapons other than, you know, debating with you in 2002. <laughs> As a long time ago, and I'm not sure how much we actually learned or actually argued very well, but at least uh, it connects to this long-lasting friendship. If that's what it took, I'm happy that we went through it. Yeah, the debates definitely could have gone better. <laughs> uh, well, so we're here today in your uh, hometown of Las Vegas, Nevada, visiting the former nuclear test site about 80, 70 miles northwest of here. On the podcast today, we're going to reflect on this trip, unfortunately, the only way that I know how, which is to watch a 1994 melodrama called Blue Sky. Clark, did you hear about this movie before I asked you to watch it? Uh, the whole world heard about it, Tim. It was It's something that we won't forget, <laughs> and, and I wish I never saw. <laughs> yeah, I, I sincerely apologize for this. I, I was looking for the best movie to talk about nuclear testing, and the other one that I knew of was uh, The Hills Have Eyes, and I, I rewatched that to see if there was something I'd recommend you to see, and it's, no, that was a little bit of a disgusting kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets nuclear radiated mutants. I decided this one uh, was better. Both are horror movies in my eyes, Tim. Yeah, well, th this film, uh, it's set in 1962 near the end of the era of above-ground nuclear testing, so testing in the atmosphere either in a desert or out in the ocean. And you have a nuclear family hopping around between nuclear test sites and Alabama military bases while juggling family crises, emotional distress, and government cover-ups of nuclear tests gone wrong. Clark, will they be able to roll with the tide, or will the combination of radiation leaks and societal pressures be too much to overcome? I think it's too much to overcome. Yeah, I mean, that's what it felt like getting through this film felt like homework Tim. uh but some people really liked it i mean it was it was directed by an academy award-winning british filmmaker tony richardson got 77 percent in rotten tomatoes that's not too bad it grossed 3.4 million dollars it ended up with an oscar for best actress for jessica lang uh but i guess it had a little bit of a unique production in the sense that it was finished but not released for a couple of years because Orion Studios went under and it took so long to release it the director actually passed away before it made it into the theaters but it, nonetheless it made it in front of your eyeballs uh, and you're able to check it out so let's run through the plot here uh, we're going to kind of use this as a shell to talk about our, our trip to, to the Nevada test site but th there's some interesting things in this movie and it's a little bit hard to find I didn't find it any sort of streaming service uh, I think you said you found it on Vudu on Vudu and then of course you could find illegal pirate copies on YouTube yeah, so yep. 
check those out. I, I don't think yeah. anyone's going to be. I don't think Orion Studios is going to be chasing yeah. us down. For I don't this think money. the lawyers are coming after you <laughs> for those. Uh, so the way we'll do this one because we're kind of hanging out in our hotel room. Uh, we actually have to finish this before we end up having to check out in a couple hours. Let's do what I'm calling the a casual conversation, a, a nuclear fireside chat. Well, we'll go through the plot. We'll interject some nuke discussions here and there, our, our, our trip to the Nevada test site, um, and then we'll close out with some concluding thoughts. How about that? Sounds good. So let's, let's talk about the movie. The movie opens on a woman named Carly, who is played by Jessica Lange, sunbathing topless on a beautiful beach atoll, while her husband, Army Major Hank Marshall, played by Tommy Lee Jones, hovers above uh, in a helicopter. That's quite a way to start this movie. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I don't really understand it still, why that was how the movie started. You know, she's sunbathing in waters that may have been subject to a nuclear test. Yeah, we, we learned that this is uh, where they were going to do or had done yeah. or were currently doing some it, kind of nuclear test. It's very bizarre. I don't know how to really understand what happened there. <laughs> well, funny enough, uh, there is some fun connections to uh, being on a beach in a, in a in a swimsuit and nuclear stuff. Uh, the actual name for the bikini itself, uh, not the atoll, but the swimwear, uh, came from a Paris-based engineer, Luis uh, Riard. I'm not. I'm going to France in a couple of days, but I don't speak the language yet. Uh, Luis Riard, who in 1946 invented the bikini. And wanted to name it after the Bikini Atoll, where uh, many U.S. and French nuclear tests took place. Apparently, he wanted his design to have a, quote, explosive commercial and cultural reaction similar to nuclear detonations. That is, that is fascinating. I did not know that the name Bikini for the clothing came from nuclear testing. So, you know those, before we went to the Golden Knights hockey game. Yeah, go Knights, go. Uh, before we went to that a couple of days ago, I got a beer, and it's called the Bikini. And on the side of it, it had a little bit of history. So I think I tweeted this out uh, where it says that Reardon did this because he wanted uh, you know, the, the nuclear connection to it. But so, again, this is a bit of history that it's kind of interesting, but no one talks about it on a day-to-day -day basis. I am born and raised in Las Vegas. Uh, my mother was here when they were doing the testing. I knew nothing about all of this atomic stuff we have going on until this trip the last couple of days. It's impressive. We're, out, we're on theme the whole week. Pretty much. Here. Yeah. Uh, so let's keep on theme of the movie, which is issues of, of radiation leakages and, and problems with nuclear testing. So Hank, he's out there. This is a weird scene. We're looking for radioactive metals in the sand using like metal detectors. At the same beach where his wife was just in the water. Right. I think. I, I, it's hard to tell it's, whether it was before, it's after, not clear, or during. At least, right. Maybe she caused the test. Maybe she's the one that's radioactive. It's unclear, really. Yeah. But, yeah. So they're going around. They're like looking for a metal in the sand, kind of like you would be looking for like loose change or like a ring or something. And they find some metal, and the Geiger counters indicate that there's some kind of radiation there. And, and I think Hank goes back and complains that he's got a radiation leak on base. I, honestly, I don't really understand what's what's happening there. If it's a in the Pacific, it's probably an open air test. So the idea that there's a radiation leak on base doesn't really make a lot of sense because it's an above ground test. It's not like an underground test where there's venting or anything like right. that. Maybe they would say that they tested further away and now there's fallout. But if they're looking for metal pieces, you know, kind of a little bit of a duh moment. If you're going to put up a tower and you're going to blow up something, there's going to be some radioactive residue left there. Well, and, and the other thing is they're in Hawaii, correct? 
Well, I think that's where the family stations, but they're doing the test out in the South Pacific. Okay. Uh, it's a little, again, confusing. They don't, they don't really spell yeah. it out too much. Um, now, perhaps, like I mentioned, it was maybe it was Fallout. Uh, there is some real history here. Hundreds of uh, native inhabitants of the Marshall Islands, for example, were evacuated after Castle Bravo, which is a famous test for a um, huge explosion, way larger than they thought it would be. It caused a fallout pattern, which uh, irradiated a small fishing boat, the Lucky Dragon, which caused several of the crew members to get sick and, and ended up passing it on. Uh, but that wasn't really about metal pieces on an island, so I'm not really sure. Right. Hank's boss at the base, moving the plot forward, mm -hmm. comes in and has a problem with the fact that his wife is sunbathing. Right. And causing too much attention. And for some reason, there is a, uh, a delegation from, I, I think, basically what would now be the European Union. I think I think they were saying NATO. Okay. Yeah. But, from NATO. Yeah. And Carly is entertaining all of these people as if there aren't official people to do those types of jobs. Right. It's very bizarre. Well, it's an interesting character introduction, you know, plus the, the new sunbathing to Carly. Yeah. So Carly is is Hank's wife. She appears to be, first, just a, an incredible free spirit, right? Someone who is very uh, outgoing, very makes friends easily, loves to dance to music, and she gets the attention of, of men, whether it's other soldiers or it's, it's delegates from NATO right. or it's commanding officers. But Hank, you know, he's embarrassed by it, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't shut it down. He just says this is not a way to, for this to work. He, Hank's given a, I guess, kind of a promotion, after doing this 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 testing right. in, in the South Pacific, he's sent to Alabama. Right. It's not much of a promotion of a promotion to go from Hawaii to Alabama. Right. I, I live in Birmingham, so I should be qualified <laughs> to do this. And I've I've done a honeymoon in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, Hawaii's pretty nice. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, Carly didn't like it either. Yeah. Uh, she gets to her new house in this fictional Fort Matthews in Alabama. I believe this is actually filmed in Selma, right. Alabama, at uh, Craig Air Force Base, which is not a, a it's not even active anymore. Uh, I don't think it was maybe even active at the time. It's now basically a civilian airport. Never had a nuclear mission, but that's okay. They're just it's a stand-in for. I'm not really sure exactly what because, and I'm not sure if we actually based any of our uh, testing operations out of Alabama during the Cold War. I couldn't find any reference to some sort of function of that. That's not really where we did it, but I, okay. I think it's a plot device. Sure. Right. Um, so they go down to Alabama. Uh, they had previously, the family had been in Germany. Uh, they mentioned Hawaii and Washington, D.C. They really, really hated Washington, D.C. Oh, it's that Potomac fever. Yeah. yeah. So Carly, Carly didn't like this. Uh, she kind of has a little bit of a freak out. She steals the family car. Uh, she, like, drives into a bunch of stuff. She goes into this, like, dress shop and irrationally worried at one point that Tommy Lee Jones is, like, irradiated. It, it's clear that either she has... Some sort of bipolar disease, maybe some sort of an emotional distress uh, issues. Something. Or she likes to sunbathe in radiated oceans. That you know? might do it. That could have caused this. They don't really talk about that that much, though. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. the family, there's there's two girls, an older girl and, right. a, and a little bit of a younger girl. And they kind of comment that this has happened before. Uh, this this happens again and again. Tom, Tom Lee Jones, eventually, she, he, he calms her down uh, and they go back home. And there's this great conversation where the, the dad is having a breakfast with the two girls. And he's the girls think he's making excuses for Carly. And the dad explains this whole situation using what he calls, you know, quantum mechanics. I've come to realize that what we call love is really the exchange of energy over time. It's simple quantum mechanics. You take water, for example. Sometimes it's water, sometimes it's ice. 
Sometimes it's steam. It's always the same old H2O. It only changes its properties. Your mother's like that. She's like water. I made a decision a long time ago just to love her basic properties. <sighs> Little did I realize I'd gone nuclear fission in that water. Get it? Get it? I made a pun. I went nuclear fission. It's a pun. You're right, Dad. I guess I don't know if that's a good explanation. I, I think it's a classic dad technique of trying to explain things in the most confusing way possible so your kids stop asking questions. Right. I mean, it, it worked. I think what also shut down the conversation was his bad dad pun. It's a Tim-level pun. Well, it's the kind of puns that my wife hates where I have to force a word to change into another word. Right. I'm, I am trying to get better at Some it. Some would say you're, you're working too hard on that pun. Everyone, ha everyone has hobbies. Right. Uh, so the older daughter, you can see, is a little more distant than, from the mother, uh, and the younger daughter is a little more forgiving, right, of the, the mother's mental health issues. That's the family dynamic. Let's get back to the nuke stuff. Hank meets his new commanding officer on base, Colonel Vince Johnson. Powers Booth. Powers Booth. I love Powers Booth. With a name like Powers, you know what this character's like. So he uh, compliments Hank on his prior great work, but he also kind of tells Hank, hey, look. We've got a nuclear test program. It's become something of a political football, and I just don't like to see us getting kicked around. Uh, yes, sir, I appreciate that. I mean, if this damn test ban is ratified, Majors, you and me are slated to be among the first to get our butts kicked. As I understand it, if the test ban is ratified, we simply abandon atmospheric tests and go underground. Given some of the test results I've been looking at, I think that's the way to go. Well, I can appreciate that. We're a team here. We have to present one consistent point of view. You can understand that. You're a soldier. Yes, sir. I'm a soldier, and my duty is science. Well, I'm just reminding you that we work for the Army, not the AEC or Congress or popular science. You understand? Yes, sir. Okay. It'll be all, Major. So I think what they're referring to is the... Uh, limited nuclear test ban, which would ban testing in the atmosphere, underwater, in space, anywhere except underground. There was already a, uh, then there's eventually there's a couple other test bans, things like threshold test ban, the partial test ban treaty, which set a limit of 150 kilotons for a test. Uh, there's the big one, which is still in signature. It's not, has entered into a force yet. You need a few more ratifications, including that the United States, the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty, which would ban all forms of testing. This is where you and I have a little bit of connections, right? Because we, we did uh, debate topics and we talked about, right. we, we did the CTBT uh, as a debate topic. Uh, but anyways, they don't really say exactly what it is, but it seems like it's driving testing underground, which, which Hank likes. But uh, Colonel Johnson says, we all want to keep the program going and we want Hank to be a team player. Don't make right. waves. Right. Don't vent uh, about this issue ha. to your superiors. Let's go to a uh, picnic on base, and we're introduced to a couple more characters, and this is great. Uh, Holy Juvenile Batman, that's, that is a young Chris O'Donnell so young. in this movie. Yeah. I don't, it's maybe one of his first films. Uh, he was a child. First you're like, oh yeah, that's Chris O'Donnell. Uh, well, he is, is Vince Johnson's uh, Powers Booth's son. Uh, in this movie, I think the older daughter of Hank starts to have a little be a little smitten yeah, with him. Yeah, it's a it's a spring fling, Tim. Unfortunately, also Colonel Johnson and Carly meet, and at least on Colonel Johnson's side at first, there's a bit of an attraction there. Right. But he likes he likes Carly, and Hank is maybe okay with that. At least in terms of like, oh, he's being very friendly to my wife. Yeah. There's what there's like a base barbecue, uh, par party situation, yeah. and Carly uh, goes into seductress mode. 
Hmm. And Hank doesn't want to dance with her. He wants to talk to the guy from the International Atomic Energy Commission. Yeah, so that's the that's coming up here. Uh, yeah, the big dance, right? Right. So that one of the big scenes here where this stuff kind of comes to a head is at the big dance on base. Yeah, he's talking to Ray Stevens, is his name, from the, the AEC, the Atomic Energy Commission, which is now the Department of Energy. Right. The AEC guy pushes Hank on underground nuclear testing, kind of like it's an evil concept. Uh, at least the movie portrays the shift from above ground testing to underground testing is something that's being forced upon the the military and the scientists and all of this. I think that's probably partially true in some degrees. In other ways, it, it was clear that this was where the political winds were shifting. So I, I can see the resistance being a true situation here. Uh, as, as a noob, as it relates to testing things, and I'm sure this was covered during our tour yesterday, what is the difference in the scientific data that you're able to gather from an atmospheric test versus an underground? It seemed like with the underground, you're able to get a lot more science from it. I think it's probably getting at different things. So okay. uh, above ground tests will show you shock wave. It can show you effects right. damage, right? It can show you here's how this would, it would impact uh, a can of tuna right. and, 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 a, and a fallout bunker. Here's right. how it would, would destroy a car. Here's how it would destroy a, a bank vault. Remember, we Turns were, out bombs blow things up. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. One of the things we did was on the tour, we were in Frenchman Flat, which is where they did a lot of the... It's a dry lake bed where they did a lot of the uh, above ground testing. And I think I said uh, like 10 or 20 or so above ground tests, including one of the one of the more famous ones, which was a launch of a artillery gun. Right. A 15 kiloton warhead. And which what they did was they blew up like a bridge, a couple different bridges to find out what the right. They had being. different bridge designs. So we actually went underneath one of the bridge designs. Right. I thought that was a, a, a powerful part of the tour. The interesting part of that is the attempt to use civil defense in order to design infrastructure that could survive these blasts uh, that could potentially happen from the Soviets. And so having different bridge designs, and I think uh, our tour guide Kevin mentioned that the one that did survive and did the best is one that they had used in Chicago. Hmm. And then the other bridge designs did not survive. And it was just interesting, like the amount of money, the amount of time that to go into something just to blow it up to see what works the best. It was very interesting. I, at one, one point they said, all right, well, some people were asking if we have a bank vault full of money and if nuclear war goes off and starts, what about our money, our paper money, so important to us, will that survive? And they're like, yeah, we do. We can design a bank vault that will survive. And they showed it to us. And yeah, I mean, it, I guess so. I guess yeah. it looked okay. It, it turns out, you know, it, it's got to be Mad Max. You know, <laughs> like uh, you're going to need a flamethrowing guitar. You're not going to need, yeah. you know, Ben Franklin on a piece of paper in order to get things done. Right, exactly. So. You're going to – it's uh, money currency is, is in guzzoline. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not going <laughs> to be in this. So, yeah, that, that, that was an interesting little part of the scene here. And the other thing about nuclear testing is, is that early on for most of the test, it was to – refine and confirm weapon designs as opposed to things like safety testing or right. uh, ensuring the reliability, making sure these things go off when we want them to. An underground nuclear test will show you that information, right. which is why I think largely we're comfortable with what's called the stockpile stewardship program, doing uh, science and, and maintenance on nuclear weapons without physical actual tests. And we are more comfortable doing that But if for reliability. But if we want to build a new generation a new design of warheads 
uh, you would more likely need to actually do real tests to be confirmed that those work and that you, the military would be comfortable deploying and fielding so, them. So by real tests, you're not talking about the current subcritical tests. Right. You're talking about actual explosions exactly. or shots. They, they, they talk, shots. they yeah. talked a lot about subcritical nuclear testing on this. Uh, I believe this was at the UH-1 facility. Um, the Our tour guide kept describing it as, you know, hey, when we were on the bus, look to your right, there's the stratosphere. Right, right. The, yeah, yes. the stratosphere, this yes. really tall, what two thousand? It's about two thousand feet. All right, you know what? I think it's about twelve hundred feet tall. Okay, it's 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 uh, it's, a, it's a height. It's it's pretty tall. And then what you do is you can say, all right, that is how deep the tunnel is to go down to where they do these subcritical nuclear tests, where they use a combination of high pressure, conventional explosions, uh, lasers to basically see, all right, plutonium. What happens if we mess with it and shape it and all these different things uh, as opposed to what you would do in a, a nuclear test is where you actually call you, make, you create a critical mass of fissile material you compact it down so that when neutrons start firing and breaking other atoms that when those atoms are broken they create more neutrons which then explode more atoms release more energy that only works when everything's really tight and compact. It like right. compacts from like the size of, say, a uh, basketball to the size of a tennis ball. They don't do that in subcritical tests. They basically do everything up to the point of actually calling it uh, a unit with nuclear yield or things like that. Right. So you can't really use subcritical testing to design new weapons. Some people say you can, but I, I think the, the evidence points to that not being able to work. But you, you may be able to maintain reliability and, and safety. I think that's a, a, a reasonable assumption. It also seems like there isn't, uh, with the subcritical, you're not making as much of a loud statement, mm -hmm. right? It, it, to me, it seems like when you would, the atmospheric tests, which are clearly banned, right, make a huge statement when they go off. Yep. We've got this thing. You do it underground, it's not the same. You get you get a little uh, tremor. You do the subcritical, say, yeah. it's, well, you guys are just keeping those weapons up to date. Yeah. Well, so this idea of, of moving nuclear testing from the, a public... Uh, awareness, right. whether it's a, in, in, in the movie, it's about fear of, of radiation and mushroom right. clouds. Uh, we have this conversation a little bit uh, with the older daughter, uh, back to the movie, you know, Hank's older da daughter, I actually don't know her name. Uh, I don't think they say it very much. Older daughter, young, younger daughter. The, this actress was also in the movie Airheads, what? which she played Brendan Fraser's girlfriend. Huh. Yeah. Which the was released trying to make the tape for prior it. to... Blue Sky, but it was four years later filming-wise, and so she was older and playing, like, you know, a love interest of a rock star, and she's a child in Blue Sky, despite the fact that it's released afterward. This is Orion crazy. Pictures going bankrupt is very interesting to me. Yeah, there's, there's, whole do there's a whole documentary about it that's, that's cool. I think it's on, on Netflix. Yeah. There may be something to recommend at the end of Also, Airheads, watch it. Yes, please. The daughter, the older daughter, is not really happy with her father and what, what she does. Uh, the the father's like, hey, you should go out and meet some new friends on this base. And uh, she says, Dad, most of your colleagues around here are dedicated to a program of armed nuclear destruction. If you have a problem with subcretins, don't sit at home and complain about it. Go forth and enlighten them. Yeah, maybe I'll start the first Teams for Test Band Club. That should make me real popular around here. Run away from home, change your name first. That'd be uh, very well attended at the base. Yeah, pro probably not so much, but you know what? I'm going to plug a uh, little th real life action here. The uh, CTBTO, which is the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization, uh, that actually will help to implement the verification system as well as the treaty. 
They have a youth club, which was launched in February of 2016. I am a member. I'm not too active in the DC chapter, but I like to see what's happening. Uh, this engages students and younger generations to push for the ratification and illegal entry into force of the treaty. So, hey, if this movie and this conversations inspire the youth that listen to the podcast to join, there actually is a way to do it. Go out and check that out. Back to the dance that you referred to earlier. So Hank is is chatting up the guy from the AEC, uh, and he hears a little joke, right? Hank hears this mil- these military officers joking about JFK being too weak. You think they call him like a Harvard little Harvard man, and that he should just let the military do their job. And Hanks makes this little this little joke, right? Right. He says, "To hell with Nevada. We'll use Havana as a test site." Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! It's funny. Oh, we'll just start yeah. n- testing on a bunch of people. I kn- now, what do you think? Do you think this was a joke that he made, like kind of a, another dad joke, or was this something that's a core belief of his? You know, it's hard to tell. We think Hank is more of an academic. And more interested in the science. And so when he's around these military guys with all their bravado, sometimes he's got to falsify his own. Mm -hmm. And that's what it seems like he's kind of doing here. Or at least that's how it's portrayed in the movie. But, you know, it's Tommy Lee Jones. who's in The Fugitive. You know, like it, it, it's like he's playing a nerd that's not cool. And uh, I don't, I don't really understand that. Would you say he's uh, being a little two-faced? In this situation, that's good. A little. That's good. That's yeah? good. That's right. good. Uh, I, I apologize for that one, um, Hank. People know that he he writes on this. He wants underground testing to happen because he's concerned about radiation leakages and things like that. Um, but what Colonel Johnson is concerned about is inappropriately dancing and yeah. hitting on Carly. Yeah. Uh, which he does, and Carly responds in kind, right? Right. Hank it, doesn't like dancing, and she does. It's so. it's it's very awkward for the audience to see. Yeah. Because. Carly is dancing very seductively with Powers Booth. Powers. And uh, Hank wants to just talk about underground testing. You know, he's, he's, it's a, he is doing the right thing at this barbecue. It is a work barbecue. He is there to talk about work and be mm-hmm. a serious man. But his wife, who doesn't like Alabama, is trying to make friends, trying to be her best self, trying to let her personality flow. And she lets it flow a little bit too much. Uh, yeah, and, and Hank uh, and Hank does not like this very much. He he what he picks her up, That's carries right. her out of the room, and, and throws her in a pool. A nice dip. A nice dip. So as someone yourself, right? Who and his wedding, which I guess is a tradition, was, was in Alabama. Yeah, in Alabama, you got tossed into a pool. Right. In your tux. How right. did that make you feel? Refreshed. Yeah. So it was it was a it was a welcome to I, refresher. I, I, it obviously depends on the context. If it were my wife somehow gaining the strength of five men being able to pick me up and throw me into the pool because I was dancing seductively with Powers Booth, right? it would be a little awkward. But what a story. But maybe I should do that and see what happens. I think but, we threw you in the pool because you were dancing poorly. No doubt. No doubt. I don't, and I don't think the uh, wet clothes helped with the dancing afterwards. No, uh, no. Well, in the movie, though, Hank and Carly get home. They have a little bit of a fight. Um, but you know, it's a, kind of a little bit of a twist. They end up getting intimate. Um, yeah. So it, it's clear that Hank and Carly have a, let's just say, disputed, uh, complicated relationship with, with these, uh, these issues. They run hot and cold. Uh, right. Well, let's get back to the office. Uh, so Hank and Colonel Johnson are in a room. They're having this conversation about how the Russians have started to test their weapons again. We just got word that some seismologists in Finland have detected evidence that the Soviets have detonated an above-ground device. 
The brass must be thrilled. We're off the bench and back in the ball game. Everything we do from now on becomes that much more vital. Those bastards push in a pile of chips. We better be able to raise the bet, right? Right. We can maximize our opportunities real quick. Especially you. As of 0800 hours, Friday, 428, your TD-wide operations HQ at the Nevada test site in Mercury. So Hank is sent to Nevada, to the Nevada test site for two weeks. Vegas, baby. Yep. So this used to be called the facility that we went to. Now it's called the Nevada National Security Site. It used to be called the Nevada test site. I've always talked to people who, who work there at the higher administrative levels, like at conferences and things. They always say they don't want like to be called the test site anymore. Why is that? Obviously, they don't do real nuclear testing anymore. They do other things. They do things like environmental research. They do a lot of stuff with the Department of Homeland Security. They do trainings on incident response. So they do a lot more. But our tour guides were saying, no, no, we're very proud of the fact that we were called the Nevada test site. And that's what they refer to it, you know, amongst family and friends. Right. So anyways, Hank gets sent over there and he's concerned that the reason he's being sent over there is not because he had a great conversation with the guy from the AEC. It's because he thinks Carly is going to be hit on by Colonel Johnson. Uh, Powers is is removing uh, the impediment to his uh, romance. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that's a concern that Hank has. A valid concern. To be fair to Carly, I think she her character is she tries to strike this balance between what she sees as what society is pushing her towards at the beginning of the movie when she's sunbathing she's flipping through all these magazines and they're showing people with in this outfit with this kind of personality and this kind of hair and all this so she's trying to meet that uh there's a conversation very briefly that she ran away from home so she had some home issues uh, i think she was from originally somewhere in virginia so being back in the south is probably not so good for her sure uh, and she's also being told how to act as a traditional military wife, someone like Colonel Johnson's wife, who who's befriends Carly uh, when they first get on base. She's struggling with that, and I think that's probably adding to the pressure here. Right. Um, but anyways, we, we let's cut to the budding romance of Chris O'Donnell and the older daughter. She I guess kids do this nowadays. They start chatting uh, in this weird abandoned room. On base, they start chat- talking right. about the, the title of the movie, Project Blue Sky. Yeah, it turns out that, uh, you know, nowadays we're all concerned about kids texting each other mm-hmm. inappropriate things. But, you know, in the 60s, they were just going into rusty metal uh, closets <laughs> and, uh, you know, making out and stuff and finding uh, what they thought would be grenades that were duds and just, you know... Throwing them around for fun, making explosions happen everywhere. Oh, yeah, I don't think that was how Chris O'Donnell imagined that, that get-together to go. No. Before the this grenade goes off, uh, when the kids get caught and everything, uh, they talk about Project Blue Sky, which I guess, I'm not really 100% sure what this is. It's it's some kind of military code program that Hank is working on, and it seems like what they're saying is, is that we'll test weapons underground, and we won't be concerned if there's venting where radiation will leave the ground. We're supposed to, if, you're, if you, this is done well, there's little to no radiation that right. leaves the ground. Um, we can talk a little bit about how they do that because we, we heard about that on the tour. The whole point of Project Blue Sky is, hey, no one would care because they can't see it. Right. It's largely a, a made-up term, at least. I'm sure this idea was out there. Hank's not really practicing very good uh, information security, leaving documents around right. at home. You think Jared Kushner has some security clearance yeah. problems. Hank, come on, man. Then we go to what we really, what people are here for, for the podcast, right? We get some underground nuclear testing scenes. Uh, Hank is out in Nevada. Uh, he is laying down wires. He's getting the test looking just right. He's in a helicopter. 
uh, going around checking to make sure everything's okay. The ground test station that they show in the film, like basically the control point, which is the term for the for the real life, you know, it's a little dark. Right. All these scenes, I don't know why they always have to add atmosphere by making things dark. People, when you're working, dark rooms are not helpful. Right. It's the same thing with the situation room in the West Wing. It's always like this dark room where the only lights are two little dim lights above the table. It's for drama, Tim. Well, it gets it gets me going. Uh, and this test happens, and here's a problem. There are two cowboys just kind of going on a stroll. Oh, yeah. Standing by. Final lock position. Procedure complete. What the hell is that? Let's take a peek. Station, this is Ratside 2. We have two civilians on horseback and in right toward sight. Punch up a camera on those cowboys. Face Station, face Station. We gotta get them out of there. Please advise. We cannot detonate. Avoid the test. Too late. There's no turning back from testing this weapon that we could test anytime we want. Yeah, we can we can do it tomorrow. Right. Um, so the test happens, and sure enough, there's venting. Right. You see this explosion. You see gas kind of fly up. Uh, I guess this whole scene was filmed. You knew this in, in Texas. Yes. Right. Uh, so not not out in Nevada, um, but the cowboys they get they get cooked. Is what is how they describe it. Hank says he, he he's run the numbers. He knows how this stuff works. These guys are radiated and they're going to pass away unless we get to them right now. Right. But the military, the the testing officials, uh, they're not interested in having that conversation. They're like they knew the risk. We we they, we advertised it in all the papers that I'm sure the cowboys read. Right. The, the cowboys are getting the newspaper delivered to their ranch. You exactly. Know, in 1962. Uh, when you're out on on the farm, how many? Um, local notices are you reading well it's in farmer's almanac you know every morning i read my farmer's almanac but uh you you don't see much posted that's for sure Mm -hmm. uh though you would think that they would have more operational security at the nevada test site than they did you know with these cowboys just strolling along you know well we learned that for a long time they didn't have fencing right around the area and now they do right uh there is times where cattle were raised on on the test site, and That's some right. of it was to do some uh, – what I thought was some pretty graphic uh, experiments with cows, basically putting a hole, hole in their outside so right. you can reach into their stomachs and do stuff. It's just a standard uh, bovine study. I, I mean, apparently, right? Yeah, it's pretty normal. Uh, so you guys, you do the – I do not do that, but I know veterinarians do that. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So maybe they were involved in that. The, the the cowboys are are in some trouble, and this reminded me of uh, an incident that took place, probably one of the most uh, significant venting incidents in U.S. nuclear testing history. It's called the Bainberry incident. Bainberry being the shot code name for this happened in December 18th of 1970. It was at the Nevada test site. A 10 kiloton device uh, was detonated 270 meters below the surface, but a large cloud of radioactive dust vented. Uh, out into the atmosphere um, from the underground test. And this was a, a really big deal. The cloud could be seen as far away as Las Vegas. Not really something you want to see when it's an underground nuclear test. 
we had stopped doing above ground nuclear tests in 1963. So this was this was a pretty significant deal. And according to the National Cancer Institute, uh, the atmosphere uh, venting uh, incident that took place uh, was 80,000 curies of radioactive iodine-131. Uh, pretty bad, more than any other uh, underground nuclear test. Uh, the fallout covered 86 of the test site workers. Um, and while the Department of Energy at that time uh, said no one was hurt, uh, two workers died a couple years later, four years later, of, of leukemia. Their widows sued the government. It was a real big, real big case. Uh, eventually, in 1996, the U.S. Court of Appeals found the U.S. government to be negligent, but they didn't conclude. They concluded that Bainbury didn't cause uh, the illnesses. Um, testing stopped for six months while there was an investigation. These are incidents that, that definitely took place, and we, and part of the tour, actually got to see Bainbury. Uh, at least they pointed it out off in the distance, kind of mm. where it was. We, what did we, we did see what was uh, the sedan test, right? which was a gigantic, what they called, civilian nuclear test. It was a test to show that you could use nuclear explosions, not nuclear weapons, but like devices to do construction projects, right? Dams. It was interesting. Yeah. The sedan test of the plowshares program, right. turning turning your swords into plowshares. It was a controversial idea. It was a... It kind of came a little bit out of the, the Atoms for Peace mm-hmm. idea. We'll give developing countries nuclear technology and all the things that they would need to have, like a reactor and a enrichment program, all these things, in exchange for support in the in the Cold War. Sure. And we would thought, hey, look, if this incredible force can be harnessed for good and the United States is the one promoting this technology, it's good for business, it's good for diplomacy, let's get it going. But – as the sedan test showed, the amount of radiation leakage that happened, it, you know, wasn't as bad as an atmospheric test, but it's clearly not the kind of thing you want to do when you're building things like a dam or river projects or the Panama Canal, for example. What, what I thought was interesting about the sedan test was that uh, apparently the federal government was really interested in the feasibility of this because mm-hmm. Kennedy himself came and visited the site. Yeah, they did like 26, 27 yeah. of these tests over over time. The The idea that you would use... A, a nuclear device to build a canal is just beyond odd to be. Yeah. Uh, because we think about the destructive cap- capabilities of these devices and you don't think about their feasibility or usefulness. Well, so India, when they tested in 1974, they called their uh, test a peaceful nuclear explosion. Right. They, they basically, like the sedan test. So they said, hey, don't, don't come after us for nuclear weapons. We're not building nuclear weapons. We're building construction tools right uh, and the russians actually did a great number of these tests for for construction projects uh they used to use nuclear explosions to stop oil wells that had caught on fire and they can't shut them off they'll dig a tunnel nearby and they'll set off the explosion it will cause the ground to collapse onto the tunnel right where the oil is coming out so they use these things we just never actually used them for projects we just tested the feasibility of it and decided against it apparently other countries uh, that that reminds me, I'm not going to be doing any sunbathing in Sochi. Fair enough. Uh, I, I'm I'm concerned about that. That's a good call. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Um, so Hank, uh, he is in a bar. He's drinking with one of his coworkers, and he, he says he wants to underline to everybody that can, that's listening, he's not going to forget. It's a crime. Your work's done here. Forget about it. It's a goddamn crime, and I am going to forget precisely nothing. And no one. 
unfortunately for him too, back in the back at home base in Alabama, his worries about Carly. Oh yeah, yeah, they were true. I mean, Colonel Johnson puts some serious moves on her. Uh, she reciprocates. They have an affair, uh, but unfortunately for them, they get caught. Right. And again, in the Quonset, Ugh. you know, in this rusty metal place, is where all these people are going to be inappropriate. It doesn't make any sense. They're adults, Tim. They yep. could do things where they want. Well, they got to go to a place where their kids aren't going to be noticed, but they go to the place where their kids were. Where their kids go to play. Yeah. And so the kids find out. Uh, Carly uh, is is kind of pushed by the daughter, the older daughter, to tell Hank about the affair. Uh, Hank's not too pleased, but he kind of feels like this has happened before. It's certainly not the, the first, first of these incidents. Uh, you know, Powers Booth is really messing with with Hank on multiple levels here. Professionally, he uh, is not advocating or seeing eye-to-eye with Hank as it relates to underground testing. And then, at home, he's moving in on his woman. It ain't right. It's not good. And then when Hank gets home, he goes and confronts Powers Booth. It's not about his wife, any of the personal things that he knows that happened. Uh, It's about the the radiation. It's about the cowboys. Yep, making sure that the cowboys are, are taken care of. Uh, Colonel Johnson says, I have no interest in this conversation. We're not having this conversation. And then he provokes Hank, making some comments about his wife. That leads Hank to punch uh, his commanding officer and accidentally push Carly uh, through a glass window. She ends up being in the hospital, right? Was it an accident? Uh, uh, I think it's implied to be an accident. Right. Um, I feel like this movie's continually punching me in the face. Um, <laughs> And a window would be a welcome relief, but you know, not not to Carly. She ends up in the hospital. Right. Hank talks to Carly and says he just doesn't know if he can go through this again. He's got a lot of lot of thought, a lot of things going through his head. Well, as he leaves the hospital, now he's got another problem thrown into him. He gets arrested, right? Oh, that's he, right. He, he assaults an officer. Yep, uh, and uh, he goes to jail. Colonel Johnson kind of tricks Carly into saying, "If you commit your husband." to a mental institution at least he'll get out of jail and he'll get treatment for some sort of a thing but then that why means, does he need treatment well it's all of i think it's all a cover-up right it's all right. a way to get hank uh quiet quieted about his radiation stories and, and also again probably to make some more moves on the wife i'm sure right hank is so heavily medicated when the family goes to visit he can't even get words out uh he can't talk to anybody and it's, a, it's a sad sight to see it really is brilliant man reduced to rub yeah, he's not talking about quantum mechanics no. anymore. He's talking he's about... He's not telling fission jokes. Uh, no. And Carly's not happy about it either. She gets in the car. She packs up the kids. Uh, and she actually confronts uh, Colonel Johnson. Uh, she drives through a military parade. And then she began... because Wasn't arrested, by the way. No. No, no. N- not at all. Which seems like that would solve uh, Colonel Johnson's problems. All of our problems, really. <laughs> and the movie, The End. Right. Uh, so... <laughs> This actually kind of reminds me a little bit, this whole cover-up story. This whole cover-up story, the idea of heavily medicating someone so that they don't talk about what happened in terms of a venting incident. Uh, this reminded me of a couple couple of different situations during the Cold War, as everything does. Uh, according to some documents that were recently declassified in 2013 by uh, the GW, George Washington University-based National Security Archive, uh, there we found out there was this uh, tacit gentleman's agreement between the U.S. and the Soviet Union to not publicize venting incidents to the media or to cause public uh, protests so that when this would happen, they would kind of keep it on, on the down low. Protests were lodged, like 
privately between the two sides. Um, and, you know, the U.S. really wanted the Soviet Union to make better safety precautions at their site. But when there was these incidents, it was kept quiet and out of the press. These were a lot of memos that were written about in diplomatic uh, discussions. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they ever went as far as to medicate someone who to leak to stop leaks. Uh, but this certainly this certainly happened. Do you think it's a it's a metaphor for uh, the moral bankruptcy of power? And more importantly, powers, right? Uh, he, he is willing to test and get what he wants, no matter the consequences, even if it reduces a good man to to rubble. Uh, it's interesting to me. Uh, is is the filmmaker putting that symbolism in there pur- purposefully, or am I just drawing that out? I don't know. I think that's a strong. Well, I don't know the the, the name powers booth connection, um, sure. but I think you're right about the idea of of. Colonel Johnson is willing to keep not only his professional activities quiet by putting Hank in this mental institution and, and medicating him so we can't talk. Right. Um, maybe there's some comment there about how Hank is a brilliant mind, so why don't you just reduce the mind's ability to operate? But he also tries to keep Hank uh, quiet from his, his, his personal dealings. Right. I think there's a sense that the wife knows, the wife being uh, Colonel Johnson's wife, knows something's up. He knows this, she knows this happens. Knows something up in terms of him cheating on her? Right. I would oh, say okay. I would say that that is, is a, a reasonable statement to make. Okay. Now, the wife blames Carly okay. for some of this happening. Clearly, she is at fault as well. Right? Uh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but that's kind of where, where the double whammy, the, the two for one gets it when you put Hank in the hospital. Uh, but Carly is trying to get Hank out of the hospital, so she sees all of Hank's work files, because Hank does not practice very good informational security. I'm going to give the movie the benefit of the doubt. Probably he illegally copied all these documents so that he could leak them later to the press about the venting incidents. That's that's kind of how I interpreted that. Right. If I'm just adding things to it. He, he's got to go to all those newspapers that no one apparently reads. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, at least not, at the, least the cowboys. not cowboys. Well, she gets in the car. She gets all these documents. Uh, she sees the documents on, on Blue Sky and on the, on the testing incident. Uh, so she goes to tell the cowboy. She drives all the way. It's a long drive. You've done this. Before. I've done the drive from Nevada to Alabama twice. Can you do it as quickly as she did? It was 1962. <laughs> I, I don't know what kind of mileage she got, but it seemed like it was like a Thelma and Louise situation with that she threw the kids in the back of the car. And she drove all night, and all of a sudden she was there. Yep. It, it was that. There's a lot of unbelievable things in this in this movie. But that was bonkers. It's unclear if she like put on a diaper and did right. one of those kind of drives. What was that? Uh, that astronaut's name? I don't remember the name, but uh, I remember it was again some sort of uh, mental health here, issue. Here's the thing: whenever I go on a cross country drive, I need my depends. <laughs> uh, so she goes to tell the cowboys, uh, "Hey, look, here's what happened to you. I know I'm the the wife of the person who was running the test." And and what are the and what are the cowboys? You have some strong opinions on this. What do the cowboys respond to this they, piece of information? They say, uh, "No, our government said that nothing is wrong with us. We believe our government." That is the second most bonkers thing in this movie hmm. because there is no cowboy who has ever said, "I believe anything the government says," and also <laughs> no Nevada cowboy for that matter. Oh, this is a particular breed. Right. We are we are fiercely independent. Uh, in general, that's what we do. We're the Silver State. We're battle-born. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your but, webs are running, right? Right. We, we run, baby. And uh, these cowboys, 
they say we trust our government despite the fact that their faces are legitimately peeling off and and it's unpleasant it it is unpleasant and bizarre and cowboys don't are they aren't like you know what i'm really in support of social security i'm really in support (laughs) of this government program no cowboy has ever been in support of any program because they they like dirt roads you know they don't need infrastructure Mm -hmm. It's bizarre. Hey, you're going to move dirt from one place to another with a nuclear test? Good. I didn't want that dirt there anyways. Right. Yeah, sure. Sure. That sounds great. Could I have one of those weapons, you know, to put in a, a new cow pasture? Yeah. No. That's not how cowboys work. Well, they just, according to the movie, they just don't want to, quote, make a fuss. Cow- cowboys, all they do is make fusses. <laughs> That's their job description. Yeah, they're fussy. Uh, you know? they're, they're, these are the guys that are legitimately riding their horses onto the test site because they don't give a damn right Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden they're like we trust the government it's bizarre it's a little weird uh carly is probably taken aback by it because she is told hey you know get off my property kind of the whole situation there legitimately this woman from alabama comes to a ranch which by the way the fact that she made it into the door is amazing because again these are cowboys yeah you know i i'd assume that these cowboys who are fiercely independent living at a ranch next to the Nevada test site might maybe shoot someone who just drives out of their property or maybe a, a warning shot at the very least. Well, Carly is able to break down the security of this ranch twice because right. the next day there's this reference to one of the Cowboys makes and says, if it's so bad, why are they going to keep testing? They're going to do another test tomorrow at 10 a.m. He just trusts the government, Tim. Right. So Carly goes back to the ranch the next morning, steals a horse, and rides out onto the test site. Here's two problems I have with that. One, you guys got to type your horses. Oh, yeah. Big time. Two, we learned that the vast majority of the uh, nuclear tests that would take place were at like 4.30 in the morning. Right. Also, the test site, the NNSS, it's the size of the state of Rhode Island, we were told 50 times yesterday during our tour. It is massive. Yeah. That is a long ride on a horse. Right? I mean, that horse, what time did she leave? How is she getting there? Did she take three days to get there, too? Mm-hmm. Where are the kids? Where are the kids? No one knows. Well, her she, she has this plan. She's uh, not a good mother. Well, I'll she, tell you that much. She has a strategy, right? Uh, you right. know, maybe not a good mother, but maybe she has this. Like, she's, she knows the how to work the, the media. Sure. So her idea was, you know, right onto the test site, get the test stopped. And, and this time around, fortunately for her, they abort the test because the press is there. Excuse me, General. Right. Also, it was a blonde woman, not, you know, two cowboys. That'll do it, right? Yeah. Uh, also, uh, it turns out you could just say, let's not hit that button and we'll hit it, you know, an hour from now or something like that. Yeah. So know? so they, they don't hold the test. Right. Uh, she goes and talks to the press or at least they, they make, they take pictures of her and and like, what is this? What is this woman doing? And her whole plan is she goes to talk to the guy from the Atomic Energy Commission and the Army. There's I, I couldn't tell who this person was in the Army, but someone high up. And she says, all right, you need to get Hank out of this mental institution or else I am going to talk to the press. Right. I have family connections to the press. They're not buying it. They say, we know who you are. We know you're crazy. Right. Uh, we know that your family connection isn't all that strong. Uh, you are going to get in trouble sure and the, they i think this is kind of a funny little thing the army uh tells the press that carly is a quote religious fundamentalist and a communist normally those two things don't tend to go together 
Other and cowboys love the government. There's a lot of things, Tim. Well, anyway, so she she drives back defeated to Alabama, uh, and then the movie really quickly turns on a dime where, where we see Colonel Johnson and his family uh, sitting watching the news and, and Carly's on TV and he goes, Oh no, now this, his, his plan of keeping this under wraps is starting to fall apart. His son starts to doubt his story about Hank being in the mental institution for national security reasons. And the family has this big confrontation and Colonel Johnson is, is, is getting his comeuppance right. in terms of the family. And he goes to the um, the mental institution and tries to get Hank discharged. I don't really know what to kill him. I don't know. Doing something, right? He's going to discharge right. him. It's unclear what he's going to do next. But he gets intercepted all of a sudden out of nowhere by another military officer who has been given orders. The hell are you doing here, George? I was ordered here, Vince, by General Nirenberg. To do what? I was ordered to provide for the safe treatment and the discharge of Hank Marshall. I was also ordered to relieve you as commanding officer, pending further orders, effective immediately. And arrest Colonel Johnson. Unclear under what charge? Right. Maybe some sort of cover-up. Anyways, I guess her plan worked. For somehow, something happened and it worked. It was just crazy enough to work. (laughs) Uh, Hank then gets released. He reconnects with Carly. Uh, he's no longer sedated, uh, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. He quits the army. He joins uh, ac- the academic world out in California. He stops promoting nuclear weapons. He, everything seems to be great. Uh, and the family drives off in a new convertible after Carly dyes her hair to look like Elizabeth Taylor. Right. The end. It seems like it's a it's a it's a happy ending though. Yeah. You know, uh, he's still. I mean, his wife cheated on him. He lost his job. He was put into a a mental institution, but he got out. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what his pension's like. I mean, academics right. don't yeah. really make too much. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's a movie. Let, let's transition here to what we call our, our parking lot movie discussion. You know, you and I have been to a couple movies when we were in college sure. out in Southern California. Um, normally we see a movie and then we, we sit in a parking lot afterwards before we go our separate ways and, and talk about it. So here, I think this is a good, good spot to start because you know, does this movie handle mental illness well? Like, is this a is this a thing where you could say the ending of this movie would indicate to you that the family made some kind of breakthrough in terms of their own internal dynamics, or are we meant to think this is like a dark comedy of this has happened before, it's going to happen again, this is just one life in the continual cycle of this family? I'm I'm not really sure how we're supposed to interpret these things. Right. Um, it's hard to say that the movie handles it well. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, one thing that we probably haven't mentioned is that Jessica Lange, I mean, she did win Best Actress for this. Mm-hmm. She was a tour de force in this She movie. was great. She was fantastic. Really, we're not the, focusing on that, like, but we should. But she's so good in this. A, 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 lot of, a lot of negative comments toward her character, but she was so good in portraying this character in this character's illness that uh, it made me very upset with her. Mm-hmm. And that's <laughs> so, good, right? It works. And, I, and I think I, who know who is to say if that's an accurate depiction of mental illness? But it definitely seems to be an accurate depiction of people having to deal with someone who's constantly upsetting them and doing things to put them in compromising situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, loving them, uh, which is interesting. But I, I don't like that. On one level, Carly's mental illness gets no attention, whereas Hanks gets him put into an institution. Mm-hmm. Though he has no actual uh, discernible disease. It's bizarre. Yeah, I don't know if that's a commentary on uh, our state of our mental health system. 
right. in America, but or simply just the the movie is playing with these ideas. Right. It was it was interesting. That's for sure. Uh, but it, it is. I do like that. You know, they they say you could live with these things. The family is going. It seems at the end they're moving on with their lives. For some reason, Chris O'Donnell is also in this convertible. I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's the son of the guy who ruined their lives in a way, and yet they're hanging out with that kid. They they are able to recognize that they lo- still love each other. Right. That maybe Hank has realized. Uh, I guess I can handle more of these problems. The scene we see, the last thing we see. Carly do is is kind of flirt with Chris O'Donnell a little bit. Right. She says, I've dyed my hair to look like one of my magazines again. I went out and bought a convertible. Yeah. She's being her best self. But that's also her worst self but, in a way. Yeah, it's a completely irrational decision. Mind you, she had stolen the uh family uh car and got in a car accident. And then she's just going out buying a car at the end of the movie by herself, not telling anyone about it. We don't know what their finances are like. No, we I mean, don't know again, what they're he's doing. about to join academia. Yeah, not... exactly. You know, he does, yeah. those those government benefits gone. Right. You know, I don't know what to make of it. Maybe we can. In, maybe we're meant to interpret it however we want. Uh, I interpret it as this is very sad. I don't think yep. anything's going to get any better. Yep. You can go through this kind of a crisis with your people who have these kind of uh, emotional distress um, issues, kind of handling, sure. kind of whether it's borderline uh, personality disorder or bipolar. And you can have these moments of clarity, or maybe just everything's kind of going okay, and then it will fall back apart. None of the underlying issues have been kind of handled all that well. But anyways, maybe that's what the movie is, because in in a way, we have to try to connect this, the nuke stuff, to the movie. Because I don't think the movie does this great. Right. A lot of the stuff that I'm about to mention is things that I saw in reviews, contemporary right. reviews of the film, who said, you know, oh, it's beautiful because... You know, radiation and this family issues are very similar. They're they're both invisible. They they, they have no warning signs when they're going to flare up. They can cause incredible health problems and, and internal divisions. And, and also people are more willing to quiet it, to put it down deep, deep and say, you know what? We have no problems with, with radiation from the test site. We trust in our government. Also, at the same time, we're not going to talk about our, our mental health issues or our, our family problems we're just going to kind of keep making excuses right. for this. And and you have this story over and over again. These themes keep popping up in the film. And then I, I was trying to think about, is that is that does it, the movie do this well? What do you think? Do you think that's... Well, I, I think it does, but it, it it's you've it's kind of like you've, you've made your bed, now go sleep in it. You married Carly. Mm-hmm. You know all of her good parts and all of her bad parts. And that is a decision you made. We, we married the bomb. You know, we have to deal with the way that it's uh, we test it, its usefulness, and all the, the negative aspects of that. And as a society, you stick with those things, I suppose. Hmm. And, in, and neither of those things get fixed, right? Yeah, I mean, Carly's whole her heroic journey, you know, it, it succeeds in a sense of getting Hank out of, you know, being sedated, almost right. probably lobotomized at some point. Um, but she saves that. But really, it's a blip on the, the whole history of nuclear testing you know hank doesn't cause any sort of change no apparently according to the film maybe he can do this from academia right. although probably there'll be some issues with his clearance and what he can talk about uh but it's you know it's a blip there and i and i think you can connect it to the family stuff i would argue that the way i would interpret this is this little whatever this moment was in the family will likely be a blip in their relationship and you're just going to be we're going to be back to some problems later on sure 
that's how I would maybe say this would end up happening. But let's uh, let's maybe some concluding thoughts here, maybe connecting some of the things that we maybe uh, thought was interesting of the tour that we right. went on. I think that's worth maybe bringing up a little bit more. Visually, I think the test site it was done pretty good in the movie compared to how we saw some of the underground nuclear tests. You see something that I personally really like to see in movies where there's nuclear testing, lots of cables. Lots of cables. Right? That was that was the one thing about the test site that I didn't expect. Cables, because, cables, cables. Yeah, cables everywhere. Uh, if you're the cable guy for the test site, <laughs> you know, you've probably got a few vacation homes. You're yeah. doing okay. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, a lot of wires, right? So the wires, they will transmit data uh, from the test site because really when you when an explosion happens it vaporizes everything uh, very quickly less than right. a less than a second way less than half a second you know we can go down to lowest levels here and you have to transmit that information really quickly uh, and you also have to make sure that there's no radioactive gas that's running through the wires to get back to where well, they what do was the that testing called, a gas lock they, we saw this it was like a gas block assembly mm-hmm. which is essentially was you would connect two wires together, and there would be a seal. Uh, I think he said an epoxy seal, our tour guide. Shout out to Kevin, our tour guide, uh, who was a former uh, test worker. Uh, he talked a lot about the cables. They try to have as, as long of a continual one piece as they can with these wires. And again, it was like 300 wires for each of these tests. And when they would dig a hole in the ground, um, usually a vertical shaft or a long horizontal shaft into like a tunnel. They had the technology eventually to just do a straight, tunnel drill down which i guess the soviets did not have right that technology their their tunnels were zigzag all that kind of stuff ours were great so it was just straight down um so you would do that and then you would have to bury you drop you would lower the the bomb uh the casing and what oh, i forget what they said so like los alamos and livermore the two major national labs that would do testing mm-hmm. here they each had different names for it one would call it the uh, the casing or the cartridge, uh, maybe I'll look that up and, and put that in the show notes. Okay. Um, but they would they would drop down the, the the testing device. You would fill it with a couple different types of you know was one I think it was magnite. Another one you would then fill it with coarse sand from the area. Sure. And then you would do more fine sand. And you would put some other stuff on top of that. And all this is in service of preventing radiation from leaking out. And but all these wires, right? You had all these wires, and you had to make sure the information was transmitted as quickly as you possibly could before the wires and everything would be vaporized. So I was happy to, to see that. I was happy to see, like, the trucks that you were, all the monitoring equipment would right. be. I uh, thought that was really cool, a good d- demonstration of, of how this stuff looked. Uh, but again, uh, very dark in, in the control room. Uh, Why? Why make yeah. it so dark? Yeah. People can't see the papers. Yeah, you, you need intimate lighting for testing. Maybe that's the thing. It's like when Hank calls in and says, abort the test, the guy's like, I can't see the button. We've got to make the button glow, guys. Seriously, someone turn on the light. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, that probably was one of the problems. Um, now, the Pacific test site, you know, visually, what was it filmed? You know, this. it was, it in, was filmed Florida? in Florida. Florida. Yep. Visually, it looked like an atoll where yep. they would do these kind of tests. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't understand what they were doing after the test i think they were walking around on the beach with like flamethrowers or was it already on fire I can't, uh, it was already I on recall. fire they were okay. going around with metal detectors right yeah right yeah. so th- some of that stuff is great other times which it's is not a so great. which is a very common sight on florida beaches people <laughs> with metal detectors <laughs> absolutely yeah. usually wearing hawaiian t-shirts and yep. yeah anyways so i think visually i think the movie does a decent job of portraying these things uh you know it portrays venting incidents as a real concern what were some of the other takeaways you had from our tour? 
that we went on. Like one of the things that I would stress connection to this movie was the people that work at the test site, they're salt to the earth. Yeah. Most of them aren't scientists. Right. Most of them are construction workers. Yeah. People who, who who lay down the cables, who dig the holes, who there's monitoring involved for sure. But a lot of these people they're they wear hard hats, they go to work. Yeah. No lab they, coats. No lab coats. Yeah. And I and we went we went to the cafeteria as part of the tour and yeah. we were kind of sitting and having uh, lunch with you know other people who are at the construction site. And yeah. People wearing overalls and, mm-hmm. and they were going around on trucks. Now they take their job very seriously. They do constant check-ins to make sure no one's in places where it's still hot. Right. Uh, everyone makes sure they have their life their life dose uh, of radiation, making sure their badges and everything, mm-hmm. the radiation detection badges are good. Um, but yeah, no lab coats. And I think the movie describes maybe what life would be like for some of the people that work there. This is you. You're a scientist. You're in the military. You're doing your test, but you still have a life and a family. Right. You still have to live on base, right? You, they kept talking about how if you paid a little bit of extra money, you can have the same uh, dormitory-like place. Right. It was an interesting take because you, you'd think like, oh, they should just you know have a place off base or something like that. It takes so long but to get it, there, right? It, right. And again, uh, the site is the size of the state of Rhode Island. It is massive. So there is different sites for homes, if I remember correctly. Multiple are, locations, are dormitories yeah. within the test site. Yeah, so because it Merc- is so big. Mercury is the big right. location. It's the front entrance. That's where the basketball court was, right? Yeah. That's where the chapel was. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have a chance to, to hoop up yeah. a little bit. but Game doesn't sleep, Tim. <laughs> but they, it used to be a pool. And you, but I think the other fascinating thing was you can see the test site. A, a lot of the stuff is very old. Right. You know, they haven't done nuclear testing since 1992. Yeah. They have a state of readiness that they're required and they maintain, you know, within, say, two years. Sure. Between a half a year and a half to two years, they can try to get back to testing. It Maybe if, there's, if they need to do just a quick test as a political test to say, hey, guys, look, don't mess around with us. We're yeah. going to show you put, our nuclear bombs. Put a device in work. the tunnel and let it go. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Or, but if it's going to take some time to... To refurbish everything to get to the more diagnostic, like testing to build new weapons, that will take some time. Yeah. And the facilities, you know, the, the, at the heyday, there was 10,000 or so people working there. Now, what what was the tour guide said? It was like a, between a, like a, around 1,000 maybe? It, it, it was very sparse. People will kind of come, come in and out when they do their different testing. But what they do there now is there was one uh, facility where they would drop chemical spills and they wanted to see what the what effects would be. They mm-hmm. would... One was they tried to blow up a rail car or right. a passenger car and see what the effects would be. They do all these different testing. They have this one facility, right, where they – it's called BEEF. I forget what the acronym stands the for. The Big Explosive – Experimental Explosive Facility, maybe? Yes. Uh, and they, you know this because there's like a, a, a cow, uh, like a memorial cow out there uh, that they painted up and stuff. But that's where they do just big explosions to right. see what the effects would be. Right. So they do a lot of things there now that aren't – testing but still our good science and it's stockpile stewardship right just the way it needs to work i I was impressed with it it did make you feel like uh not to sound like a cowboy who trusts his government but that our uh government is doing things to prepare for every disaster situation that they could try to think of Mm -hmm. And, and that was impressive because you have to have a place to do that and a facility the size of the state of rhode island in a very very barren part of the nevada desert 
is a great place to do that. In terms of preparation, if you people who listen to the podcast, when we did our episode on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you know, there's this famous scene where Indiana Jones is like in this uh, made up like Potemkin village uh, where they make up essentially like a 1960s, 50s homes uh, and they blow it up. They want to see what the effects would be. Now, those tests were based on a series of actual effects tests right. for civil defense. And we talked a lot about in the Apple II homes that were there as part of a, a series of tests. We actually got to see those. We, we drove right by one. That right? I'm not going to lie to you. That was a moment. I it, dropped my, my jaw of just seeing like, the visual. I've seen this in pictures and in video so many times. I've, I've, I wanted to tell the, the house, I saw your paint in a, in a thermal blast evaporate into the air and then get pushed away. Right. I've seen that. Yeah, it was, it, it was, was there. seeing you there, you were in like your Disneyland in a very bizarre way, obviously, was, yeah. but it was impressive to see all, all of your knowledge of what we were already seeing, because as me, I'm a, I'm a lay person as it relates to these things. I, I know like the pop cultural references, but I didn't remember the Apple II test, but I knew that house. Yeah, I knew yeah. the mannequins I knew, but I didn't actually understand the purpose of those tests just until I had been there, you know, and seeing that it, it was crazy to see. Yep. Uh, and that a certain distance away from where the device was detonated, that a house, if designed correctly, engineered correctly, could withstand the blast. As long as you're not near the windows, you might be okay. Obviously, radiation is going to be a bit of a pain. But in terms of the initial survival rate, you have a chance. Probably not with a massive weapon, obviously. Uh, yeah, but, th this one I think was, oh gosh, I want to say it was like a 50 or to 100. Yeah kiloton and it was a ground burst so it wasn't yeah. like an air burst where these explosions are larger areas but here's we talked about preparation i did not know this so we're, the ground point literally ground zero for where this tower shot test took place for the apple II homes as part of this particular test where that ground zero was now is a training center called t1 training area and that's where they have things like uh, they broke up an airplane. They cut it up and they made it look like it was just had crashed. Right. And they'll say, all right, there is irradiated material in this airplane. First responders who are coming here from the United States or from abroad to come train, go find it. Right. There is actual radiation here. You wear your radiation protection suits. You do all these things. And they have all these different little areas. So they have like train cars. They have buses. And they have just things there to do these trainings. And I thought that was amazing that it's being done at the ground zero of where these effects tests were taking place. I thought that was uh, fascinating. Yeah, that is very interesting that, you know, 50 years ago, that's where we were doing these effects tests. And now uh, the mission has changed so much mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. I'm trying to think of one or two other things that we can kind of mention. People should go on this tour if they can you have to point. schedule it about a year in advance yeah you go on the on the website it's a free tour yeah. you have to meet up at the uh national atomic testing museum which is tim's other disneyland yeah exactly uh we were we were like oh what are we gonna do uh on this trip and it's like well you know you can always go to back to the testing museum that would be kind of fun uh i think instead we went to a couple other places in the area uh one of which i'm really happy you you brought me here because i've only i read about this place a number of times uh but never actually been to it the uh, Atomic Liquors, yeah. which was started uh, in the 40s and then kind of when nuclear testing caught on uh, starting in 1951 with the Nevada test sites when it was the first detonation. 
this place, um, the Sobchak family, decided, hey, let's get in on that. We're just a liquor store. I think they were flipping burgers, and they're like, let's let's call ourselves Atomic Liquor. Right. Let's start to sell some drinks to go, and then it be then they got their it's liquor a package license. store, right? Yeah. yeah. And then it became uh, today uh, this pretty great well, dive bar, kind of it, awesome. It's, uh... You know, I'm from Las Vegas, but uh, we there's not much wasn't much of a reason for a long time to go down to Fremont Street. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, so it's not on it, the strip or anything. It's pretty it, far it, away from yeah, that. Yeah, it's uh, old downtown Las Vegas, and uh, Zappos moved their headquarters to downtown Las Vegas a couple of years ago, and there's been a pretty immediate revitalization of that area, and Atomic Liquors has uh, definitely kept up and improved itself, and it's just like a cool place to go hang out. Yeah, and, I like that place. And it's on theme, you know, yes. like... Uh, it, it they do it right there. Uh, I, I liked it, and the drinks are good. And oddly enough, one of our college roommates is a bartender there. That we didn't know that. Right? What 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 a small world this uh, this this new stuff is. Right. But yeah, this is a place I think I mentioned on our Indiana Jones episode that used to one of those places that used to serve what was called the Atomic Cocktail, which was like mixes of. I think it has like uh, gin and rum and a lot. It was it's pretty good. We they don't serve it anymore, which that was interesting. But they had enough other new drink things all around town. We kept going to right. these different bars where, oh, one of them was called the Atomic Duck, right. which was based. Uh, it's a brewery um, by by Abel Baker Brewery. Another yeah. new thing yeah. out in Henderson, yeah. uh, Nevada. Uh, and then there was another one that we went to. Uh, I had I had the Bomb Drink, which was right. a uh, another kind of. I mean, I don't think it was nuclear, but it was bomb themed things. And then when we were at the uh, the Go Knights Go uh, Golden Knights uh, hockey game, Go Knights. Uh, we had a signature cocktail. It was called the Atomic Fizz. And it was like a mixture of like seven or eight different things. It was actually served out of a tap. Sure. And it was a signature cocktail. It was an uh, homage to the roots of Nevada in Las Vegas in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all that stuff. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was kind of fun. So even in this hockey environment, which was all – it was really decked out to look like not, – I'm not saying this in a, in a mean way, like, like medieval times set up. Game of Thrones tile setup in terms of the intro sure. and, the, and everything. Even in that world where we're talking about Golden Knights and all this yeah. stuff, I got to have an atomic-themed beverage served to me out of a tap. Right. So I, I don't know any other better way to conclude our conversation here. Is there anything else you want to draw from uh, the tour that you remember? Uh, I, I liked the aspect that it was very blue-collar. You think about the people that work on the test site and you think about – People that are all scientists mm-hmm. uh, that have to keep everything secret, and uh, ultimately, like we've discussed before, there's people who have to lay the cables. There's people who have to do that, and it was just very approachable that way. Like it didn't seem like testing was all that foreign or something that was actually all that secretive in a way. I don't know. It kind of uh, made it more approachable, which was interesting. With satellites, we know when other countries are doing right. tests. I mean, we, we can see there's telltale signals. Yeah. Sometimes we can be surprised when North Korea does something. But usually you see some activity on a test site. You see another hole being drilled. You can kind of pick this stuff out. If anything, you know, you almost advertise sometimes that you're doing a test because you want the other people to know oh, yeah. your activity is still ongoing. It's a statement. Yeah. yeah. It is a fascinating idea that it's not – technical testing was not just a – uh, scientific endeavor. It was also an engineering feat. They had to invent new ways of doing uh, construction and deep, in deep, or what do they call deep it? Deep drilling. Big, big, yeah. Yeah. Big hole drilling. Yeah. All that stuff. So I, that's a. Uh, I think one of the movies, one of the movies that they had us watch on the bus, they said that they started out with the ability to drill like what? It was like 18 inch holes mm-hmm. in terms of the diameter. 
and you know the the last one the diameter of the hole was 98 inches yep and it went down 1300 feet if not more mm-hmm. that's a big hole yeah uh and, 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 and straight down and the application of that technology to other industries i mean uh who knows yep and this is, you know, we, you can criticize us for our kind of, we're not really, I'm trying not to gush about this because you can, you can have a conversation about, you know, an opinion on, on nuclear testing as, you know, whether it's good or bad. And I'm, I'm a proponent of never testing again until there's a military necessity, but it's really, we, we can do this without testing Right. in a world where I'm, I'm an advocate of getting rid of nuclear weapons. I, there's some real concern people have about how the nuclear test site area was, was procured. Right. Uh, likely taken uh, by force from some uh, the Western Shoshone kind of Native American reservations in the area. All those things are true while right. still kind of learning through this tour that there are people who worked at this site and they have opinions that I don't necessarily always agree with, but I appreciated the fact that they they were uh, so open right. well, in, in some ways surprisingly open about some of the activities that they were ongoing. But I think you can all kind of tie this together at the same time this week uh, the peace walkers who were walking from the the atomic museum all the way they walked we took a bus for an they hour. started at the museum they started that was one of the locations for wow i think they started like on saturday and yeah. our, our tour was on tuesday and we saw them walking that's a 65 mile trip yep and they wow. people get together they do it in big groups uh some of them camp other ones have homes that they do and these are people who are protesting things like drone warfare yeah. uh nuclear testing uh nuclear test site all these different opinions we came at the right time for all of these things yeah. uh but now we have to be uh shallow again and, and we have to do our rating system for, okay. for the movie not for the test site uh we usually like to rate things one out of five so it's consistent across all of our movies so we can compare these things but because we get super critical about the content we also give attention to detail to our tailored rating system so i think i i've crunched the numbers on this one, and I think I want to do one out of five hours sunbathing on a nuclear test site, because one hour won't really get you much of a tan, uh, but five hours you'll be practically glowing. It'll, it'll be great. So how would how many out of five hours sunbathing on a nuclear test site would you give this particular film, Clark? Uh, probably one. Really, it, that it, bad? It felt like homework. Uh, you know, it it was a good movie in terms of uh, trying to discuss. A very serious topic and how it relates and has an effect on family lives uh but i would not want to watch it again jessica lang was really good i know that it's not the most fun and enjoyable movie to watch well i'm gonna give it a 2.5 uh i would say good performances for sure as we mentioned the plot has not really aged all that well uh-uh. uh and it's all over the place the last 20 minutes of the movie um i i don't know what's happening it was if someone just said wrap it up done yeah, yeah. Is if they ran out of money. Yeah. And Orion Pictures is like, hey guys, we gotta get Which this going. Probably is what happened. Yeah. yeah. So who knows who knows why things happen in the film. And that it, it's very distracting. There are moments of this movie I was enjoying. Yeah. And then it, it kind of fell apart and I it's one of those things I do I recommend this to anybody? You know, maybe not. But if you can get your hands on it and you enjoyed this conversation yeah. here, hey, maybe check it out. There's some good scenes there. Yeah, do it. Uh, but speaking of things that I would recommend, we you know we like to normally recommend a couple things for people to check out. If you like this, check this out. Uh, not really homework, but it's got some stuff for you to look it up. Uh, I have three things. So, Clark, maybe you've got some stuff you can mention here. Sure. Uh, I recommend a book called The Atomic Times, My H-Bomb Year at the Pacific Proving Ground 
by Michael Harris in 2005. It is a really good uh, story. Someone who spent a year at a test site, uh, you can kind of see all the different things that go on, for whether it's family, uh, dynamics of how people live when they're working on these sites, and also some of the work that was done there. It's a, it's a, it's a good book to check out. Uh, if you don't like to read, check out the 1988 documentary Radio Bikini, directed by Robert Stone, uh, also nominated for an Academy Award. It's about the nuclear test at the Bikini Atoll during Operation Crossroads in the 1940s, and it has, covers a lot of different areas, but its main interest is the impact of these tests on the indigenous population and the test site workers. Kind of a landmark film. It's, I believe it's still on Netflix, so it might be okay. easy to check out. And finally, uh, I recommend a television program. This is, I think this is on Netflix called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, it stars Rachel Bloom. Uh, it's kind of a comedic tale of a woman who has severe mental health issues. She has she has borderline personality disorder, and she is obsessed with this person she had a, a fleeting relationship with in high school and grade school, maybe even. She meets up with him in, in New York, follows him to West Covina, California, which is very close to where he went to college, very close to where I went up. So I thought I enjoyed all the personal references. Sure. Uh, but the whole thing is done. There's lots of musical numbers, at least two per episode, and they're always funny. They're always like these stream of consciousness, not story within a story things. But I think I would recommend that, that this handles mental health issues and someone who is very smart. She's a lawyer. She's very brilliant. She has friends. But these problems, uh, these underlying issues, as they describe them in the, in the TV show, continually disrupt her relationship. And they define her and how she can kind of move on on some of these things. But she still has a real life and she still forms real connections with people. And it's this, this conflict and, and, and back and forth and successes and failures, I think, is done in a really good way and a lot more uh, comfortable to watch sure. than Blue Sky. But what do you got for us, Clark? Uh you know, it's very topical. Uh, it's a book called Das Reboot hmm. by Raphael Honigstein. It's about the reboot of the German soccer team, the National Mannschaft, uh -huh. uh, in the early 2000s, led by Jurgen Klinsmann, who was also at one point the coach of the United States men's national team. It's just a change of interest about how a country could change a youth program that inevitably ends up changing the way they play at the top levels. And starting at the very basic level with eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds and having a program set in place could lead a team to win the World Cup 10 years, 15 years later. And, it's and interesting. And obviously the connection to the film is they're, they're called Mineshaft. There's some construction. There's some big drilling. Oh, yeah. That's there. the only reason why I read it, not because I get bored and then I read soccer stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I would, I, that's a good one to check out. Um, anything else? Yeah, I, I would check out the tour. You know, okay. also spend some time in Las Vegas. Uh, there's things to do here other than, you know, lose money on the craps table. Fair enough. Yeah, it was a, it's been a good couple of days. I'm ready to go home in a couple hours here. Before I do, I want to thank you, Clark. Thanks for a great couple of days here in Las Vegas, showing me around, tolerating my constant, hey, did you know about this part of this thing that's happening right now on the bus tour? But you're just like, uh, it's too early in the morning. I appreciate that. It's, it's good that we were able to connect here, and thanks for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed it, Tim. Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Supercritical Podcast. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or want to tell us what we got wrong, there are a couple ways you can contact the show. 
We're on uh, supercriticalpodcast.com. There's a contact page and some fun extra features, uh, some resources, you know, things that I, we use to have the conversation today, informing it. Check that out. Uh, that's on that website. We're also on facebook.com slash supercriticalpodcast. We're on Twitter at nuclear podcast and email the old fashioned way supercriticalpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the program, we'd appreciate it if you'd go on iTunes, subscribing, leaving a review. Helps us grow the show, and we'd love to hear what people are thinking. So, until next time, this has been Tim Westmeyer. And Clark. And remember, if it's pop culture and radioactive, we are bound to get super critical about it. Have a good one.